0: TESOL Pop Season 7 Special Episode. Hi, it's Laura here. Welcome to this special episode of the TESOL Pop Podcast. We hope you've enjoyed Season 7. In fact, 2023 has been our biggest year yet, so thank you to you, our listeners, and our wonderful guests for making TESOL Pop possible. To help more educators discover us, you can leave a rating and review wherever you listen to the podcast, like this lovely review that Leaning21 left on Apple Podcasts that says... Love the small chunk nature of the show. Great for ESL teachers and yet so much content is relevant to a wider teaching audience. We're really happy to hear this. So thank you very much for taking the time to leave that review. Now, if you've been following us for a while, you'll know that we like to do something different in our season specials. So today you will hear from teacher David Stepanku, who shares his story from his early days teaching in Japan and how a school trip to Nara Park introduced him to the practice of forest bathing. This is a practice where we spend time in nature in order to relax. Something that's really important for us educators. David was inspired to share his story in response to Adrian Bethune's episode where he talks about stress management strategies for teachers. Before we dive into David's story let's cast our minds back to Adrian where he talked about the importance of building a bank of active responses to stress.
1: So one thing that we can do is uh, and this is an activity it's a good to do when things are calm is literally reflect on what are the things what are the activities that I know nourish me re-energize me increase my sense of perspective or just generally make me feel glad about being alive and literally write them down so mine would be going for a walk in nature playing football I played football last night with a group of friends cooking uh, meditating for me journaling talking with people I trust going out for for some drinks or some food with with friends you know just make a list So that's one thing we can do. You've got you've got a bank then of activities, you know, work for you that are active responses to stress. The second thing we can do with those bank of activities is start to think, how can I weave these into my habits and my routines So so that I am just doing these things every day and every week?
0: Identifying active responses to stress is exactly what David shares in his story. Let's hear from David and how forest bathing became part of his well being routine.
2: I came to Japan in 1991, quite literally a Reaganomics refugee. I was an arts major and was finding it increasingly difficult to get any worthwhile job in the arts. And finally, I realized it would only get worse as the 80s wore on. Armed with a small ESL certificate, I made my way to Japan. Once here, it was sink or swim. I had only $2,000 to my name. Once that ran out, I'd be forced to go back home. Every day I pounded the pavement looking for work in Osaka. I finally found two very small jobs at cram schools and began working. That was in January. By March, that was all I was doing, looking for better work and working those two small jobs. Then in March, my cram school boss invited students and me to Nara Park, a huge, sprawling forest with a thousand tame deer. Once there, I could feel something come over me, a washing over me of relaxation and calm. I realized this is what I'd been missing for the past three months. I was re-energized by the end of the day and could function better. Four months later, in the heat of August, I was walking to another teaching gig when, all of a sudden, I felt lightheaded and saw stars in front of my eyes. I had to sit down on the curb in the street. I sat there and wondered what was going on. I did some quick calculation when I'd realized I'd taken one private lesson after another and had worked for about 100 days in a row without a break. I went to a leafy temple nearby and took a break. That's how I discovered forest bathing. When I feel I need a break or de-stressing, I don't tell myself, let's do some shinrin-yoku. It's not that level of dedicated corniness to a specific method. I simply think it's time for a break, go to a nearby hiking trail, get in the woods and stand there. It's soothing and comfortable just standing there doing that. Some people do it in a contemplative way, a kind of walking meditation. Some seem to be able to use it to be creative and do problem solving. I feel that misses the point. Forest bathing is an escape, clearing of the mind. For me, it's a total immersive and visceral experience. Letting the forest air fill my lungs and wash over my body does the trick. Also, forest bathing is not hiking. It's much slower, even standing still and just letting the atmosphere and microclimate of the forest hit you Wash over you. Clean you is the point of the matter. It's the destination and the healing effect on the body, and not the journey that counts. You can share the experience with a person or a small group. Some seem to think that a forest therapy guide is necessary. For me, I can easily do it by myself. It's not rocket science. It's having the simple sensitivity to feel the atmosphere around you and appreciate it. The association of nature and forest therapy lists manifold benefits, including a reduced blood pressure, increased energy, and increased ability to focus. For me, the best part about forest bathing is that you can do it in a forest preserve near you for free. These are my observations about forest bathing and how it can alleviate teacher fatigue. I want to thank Laura Wilkes and the Tessle Pop Podcast for this opportunity to voice my opinions on this interesting and healthy topic. This was the very first time I was a guest on any podcast, and I hope everyone enjoyed it.
0: Thank you to David Stepanku for sharing your story. If you'd like to learn more about forest bathing and follow David's work, then I've included links to articles and publications for you to check out. We'll be back on January the 16th with a fresh season of TESOL Pop. Kicking off season eight is Ian McMaster, who will be talking about his latest book and how reflecting on critical incidents can help build stronger teaching teams. Until then, you can follow us on socials for updates or take part in what we're reading, our virtual book club, where Rebecca Elamalitis and I share our latest reads and how we're going to apply them to our work as educators and entrepreneurs. As always, all those details are in the show notes. So until then, happy listening.